Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Achieving Christian Thought podcast. I'm your host, Brian. Hey, thanks for listening in. This is Robert. Hey, I'm Zach. Join us for each episode as we apply the gospel to dive into the inner workings of the Christian faith. Are you agnostic or atheist and want to understand Christianity better? Want to learn more about Jesus? Discuss the differences between the modern and early churches? or maybe explore some of the Bible's most interesting characters, then we hope you'll join us in Achieving Christian Thought. Okay, so everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Achieving Christian Thought podcast. We're really glad uh, you're here with us for this recording. Um, if you want to interact with us, definitely leave us a message. Visit our Facebook page, the Achieving Christian Thought uh, podcast on Facebook. We also have our website, theactpod.com. And uh, as always, Zach, Robert, uh, welcome back yet again. Voila! And I know we really had a great episode last time. Uh, talk some more about Jesus' miracles and really yep. did a deep dive into some of those. And uh, what do we have in store for this episode? So we will be taking a look at there is a very um, interesting passage uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, um, talking about their um, <clears throat> after the crucifixion of Jesus, um, as I say, Jesus. Uh, sorry, but uh, <laughs> I digress there for a moment. I apologize. Um, but uh, so after the crucifixion of Jesus, uh, there was a uh, a unique instance that's captured in um, the book of Matthew. Uh, and and it's 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 one of these weird kind of like scratching your head. You're not sure. There's a lot of people who have their own opinions about this passage. You know, some think that this uh, uh, portion of scripture is like a poetic, um, not to be taken literal, because basically what happens is. Um, Jesus uh, is crucified. He passes away after the crucifixion. And, of course, things that aren't, like, um, debated. Um, there's actually a historical reference for the, uh, the uh, sky, go- sky going dark. Um, then the earthquake happens. But then something really crazy happens. Um, it says that the tombs opened up so um basically kind of like there was an earthquake and tombs opened up um and the dead rose um again you can kind of see why some people speculate that this could be poetic language um because um the, here is an exact instance of where something supernatural takes place and and this isn't just one individual this is multiple individuals so after Jesus' resurrection, these people uh, are resurrected as well, and they go into the holy city, uh, which is Jerusalem, uh, and begin, uh, I guess, proclaiming the name of Jesus. I mean, don't really captures what all there is said, but it's something that happens, and again, because of um, the nature of what happens there, it's kind of like it makes you, people scratch their head, and and some people, I mean, there's a lot of commentaries that it's like they have really great meat 
on everything. But then when it comes to this, and they're <laughs> like, yeah, we're not going to talk about that. We're just going to sidestep it and not even discuss it at all because it's it's a uh, questionable topic. It raises more questions than it answers. You know, is this poetic language? Is this something that actually happened in history? Um, were these resurrected bodies, what happened to them? Uh, did they ascend to the heavens uh, with Jesus or after Jesus? Or, you know, it's kind of, it just, again, it answers more questions. And, you know, why isn't there any historical references for this outside of the, the Gospel of Matthew? You know, surely Josephus would mention something about this. You know, again, again, this just kind of goes on to reiterate kind of like the speculation behind it. Um, Me, myself, I don't know what to make of it, honestly. Um, I think, I don't think it's poetic language. Um, I I understand that raises more questions than it answers. Um, But that goes into one of the many aspects of Scripture. You know, there's a lot of instances where, you know, something miraculous, supernatural happens, and it's just like, wait, what? What happened? Who did what now? You know, like uh, a great example is in the Ezekiel. It talks about the wills within wills within wills. And it's like there's been so many, like, attempted to understand people who've, like, tried to figure it out. You know, you got these modern-day alien theorists who are like, ha, that's an alien. That's an alien spaceship. That's what that is. I mean, just, I mean, anybody and everybody has a theory as far as what that is and and things of that nature. And I think this is another one of those instances where people are like, well, we don't know what to make of it, so we're just kind of ignore it. (laughs) Because it is a hard instance in Scripture. It's hard to wrap your head around the idea that um, after the resurrection of Jesus, at least according to the Gospel of Matthew, other people were raised from the dead as well, and then they went into Jerusalem. And like, I mean, I even I think uh, Robert mentioned uh, that there was a commentary that mentioned uh, that people believe that this was actually the the people who were resurrected went into heaven. Is that uh, correct? Yeah, yeah, I've come across that theory too. Of you know, these were people uh, who had come to faith in Christ you know just recently before the event and they were rising because they were you know so close to the event itself mm-hmm. but uh while I'm at it I, one thing that amused me is I actually tried to do some personal research on the whole passage <laughs> a year or two ago and uh, uh, and if you've never held a commentary please go out and find a good one a uh, great source of information I thought I'll, I'll collect like four or five on Matthew and breeze them all and every last one of these skipped over that passage. They got to that verse, they're like, I don't know, hee-hee, <laughs> move on. <laughs> uh, no, and they, <laughs> and they just kept focused on Jesus, which on the surface is a great thing. It's all about him, but it is there for a reason. We've got yeah. to address this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and I think as as difficult as it is to talk about, because it does raise more questions than it answers, um, I I still feel like it's there's a reason why God intended that to be in there, you know, because obviously I'm a I'm a conservative Christian and I believe the Bible is inspired word of God, and so there is a reason for it to be there, um, even if it doesn't necessarily correlate to our reasons for things like that being in there. If nothing else, 
I mean, uh, I mean, without going into some sort of extra exegetical study of some other passage and and really dissecting and potentially butchering a timeline with Revelation, I mean, because we kind of talked a little bit about that beforehand. Uh, it's just like, wh- how does this correlate to some of the things in um, in the end times, and does it, or is it just sp- something s- specifically for, if I could say specifically, uh, for the this uh, time period? And um, as much of a struggle as it is to understand it, I mean... The reality of it is, is God is able to do the supernatural things such as miracles. And this is a clear example of that. And as hard as it is, and as, again, as, as we've said numerous times already, it does raise more questions than answers. But at the same time, that's kind of the purpose of a lot of the miracles were, as, was for the people who saw these things that happened, it's like, well, what kind of guy, what kind of you know person is this? This the guy who speaks with authority. Mm-hmm. Jesus is raising people from the dead. He raised himself from the dead, and not just him, but then there's these other people that he presumably raised from the dead. So it's like, whoa, it's just an amazing event. Oh yeah, and it's so hard to talk. It's fascinating to talk about, but it's hard at the same time because. Yeah. Uh, we can speculate, and I mean, honestly, I would say that as long as we don't go outside of what Scripture says, speculation's healthy because it gives due attention to this verse that Matthew was still led by the Holy Spirit himself to write down. And I, I think, obviously, he wrote it. The first reason he wrote it is because it actually happened, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, looking over the, the verse, I mean, it, it's just fascinating because it says... Uh, honestly, the, the the mentioning of the tombs opening, it's in the same breath as the fact that the earth shook. So yeah. uh, I imagine if you've ever seen Passion of the Christ and those massive crack that just runs all over the land like an, an egg that fell out of the stove, uh, I can imagine like this crack in the earth, uh, the rip in the veil at the Holy of Holies, if you don't know what that is. Uh, you know, All you need to know is a massive curtain the Jews weren't allowed to go through and it ripped. And I can imagine almost uh, this rip going through cemeteries. Mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder if uh, the tombs were laying there cracked open for a long while. And then it said, and I'm, I'm reading directly from the English Standard Version, the tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the tombs after his Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So I wonder if they... Um, actually had been dead until after the resurrection, and those tombs were open, which allowed them allowed them to escape the places where they had been laying. But um, in the end, uh, the the one thing we can say for sure is that it all comes around to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Says that the the saints, it was people who had faith in Christ, either uh, before uh, Calvary, uh, someone people who had. Uh, died recently enough to know about him and Zach already said it but it all faces down to being a witness Mm -hmm. you know this is an extended witness Um, I wonder if uh, they may have they may I'm still speculating but it's fun (laughs) they may have appeared to those people who would not have been 
convinced by the apostles preaching, but they'll be convinced by something spooky. <laughs> and so your yeah. uncle shows up in the living room, you know he's been dead for six months. And <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, uh, when I was describing it with Zach, talking about it with Zach earlier, I described it as, in my mind, I just can't help but think of it as almost a, a Jacob Marley appearance from the Christmas Carol. You know, this is a sign from beyond something for you to wake up about. You need to stop what you're doing. And one thing I think it did was rattle people's minds to think, stop worrying so much about your fields for the next few days. Something big is about to happen in Jerusalem. Don't mm-hmm. don't miss out on history because Pentecost is a coming. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, the very next verse, it's, it just never mentions them again. The very next verse uh, rewinds back to the crucifixion. It says, when the centurion, uh, that's a, a Roman soldier, and those who are with him, keeping watch over the dead Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place. They were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the Son of God. So all the witnesses, the the earthquakes, the the raised individuals, uh, the blacking out of the sun, the eclipse, it all points to the fact that you just killed someone who is far more important than you could ever imagine. This is not just another execution. Right. And I do know that because there are so many groups out there who Mm. try to pick apart the Bible and try to disprove everything. Mm -hmm. And this is just a question that I had that made me think of that. Do we know of any, like, studies of, like, have people tried to trace back the schedule of, like, the orbits, like, to go back to, like, a solar eclipse to see if back in those days, if there was any solar eclipses that would have happened that could have explained the sky's darkening and, like, if there's any archaeological or geological evidence of an earthquake in that region kind of coinciding with that i think there actually is i think it's um the uh can't remember, i think it's a samaritan samarian uh uh philosopher i might be mistaken in that identity uh person uh but his name is thallus and he records that he thought that the uh, darkening of the sky was due to a um, solar eclipse, but I think it, I want to say it was Africanus. It was either him or Isabus. I can't remember. Those two. It was it was some ancient Christian uh, historian who rebuked it, uh, rebuked not not rebuked, but um, rebuttaled that idea because it was saying that. When Jesus was crucified, it was like a new moon. And so the moon was on the opposite side of the uh, planet, I believe. That's what it, and so basically there was no <coughs> way for it to be a solar eclipse. And didn't it say it persisted for hours? Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was like yeah. three hours. Three hours or something yeah. like that. Yeah, and the eclipse don't last that long at I all. Mean, <laughs> I mean, the no. eclipses that I've seen last as much as like what? Maybe 15, 20 15, minutes. 15, 20 minutes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So three hours, the sky goes dark. That's that's a, that's that's a big deal. That's a game changer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Photosynthesizing is out the door. <laughs> <laughs> Photosynthesize and... The wild thing would be is, you know, that that account, uh, if the history is correct on how they've traced back to that document, Mm -hmm. they believe it was um, the spring of around 8030, Mm -hmm. which would basically put that debate to rest. You know, was Jesus crucified in 30 AD or 33 AD? Mm -hmm. 
and I believe that they placed it around, now that I say it, I think they placed it around 33. Mm-hmm. And so that would have, like, coincided directly with the Jesus thing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, you've you've uh, got that testimony. And just uh, also the testimony of, according to tradition, you know, there were several of those centurions who were in charge of that execution. Mm-hmm. Who And I just read of one who converted and joined the early church. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Unless I'm mistaken, I think there's uh, Eusebius. He's a church historian. He talks about some of those who were there for the event, mm-hmm. and they testify to of that to this day that I was there. I know what I saw. Mm-hmm. It really helped me to accept what Peter said a month later. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> I mean, uh, again, and I think, I mean, I, I, I can't emphasize it enough to think that, you know, just because something seems crazy and supernatural that doesn't mean it didn't happen yeah i mean any historical event of significance you know like whether it be america winning the revolutionary war there was a high probability of that thing not happening oh yeah and you can't and and that's the other thing about and why a lot of people debate the validity of history is because you can't duplicate these events like it, it, the events that happen today cannot be duplicated. No. So there's no way to verify through duplication, which is one of the big, huge things with scientific method. So this historical event of people raising from the dead after Jesus resurrected, I mean, it seems impossible, but we follow a God who does the impossible. So it's not totally outside the realm of possibility just because it <laughs> seems impossible. Exactly. I mean, that's the very thing that changed the apostles' lives. I mean, I've heard the argument before, and I'm sure Zach has, maybe Brian too, is these were ancient people. They were duped by the easiest things. They were like an eight-year-old wondering how the magician pulled a coin out of their ear. Whoa, <laughs> and that's wow, just so cruel amazing. to that's, the ancient world. Dude, it was an alien. I mean, I, <laughs> <laughs> no way. aliens. Can't not be anything but an alien. Yeah. Straight up. Even in the ancient world, they were sitting there like, I wonder that if that's a ship constructed of metal. and No, but uh, but no, uh, in all seriousness, I mean, that was just, honestly, that's just cruel to the ancient world. It, it sets up the stereotype that these people were stupid. I mean, just because they didn't figure out gunpowder yet and they didn't have a combustion engine yet, didn't make them stupid. I mean, I they mean, look s- at how precisely the pyramids were laid. Mm. Out <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Per- like these massive structures. Like if you measure the angles, like mm. they're perfectly square. Oh yeah, perfectly. Like, I mean, yeah, the precision. Yeah. Oh yeah, and there's without any modern machinery or tools. Oh yeah, and, like the the engineering that had to go into that. Oh well, yeah, and there's a solar shaft right down the center yeah. of that thing. Like like energy would have been channeled from the point to the base and fueled something and they don't know what and they were very smart people Mm -hmm. well i mean and here's the other flip side we have something called concrete but it like within a hundred years it's already falling apart but you have roman concrete that still i mean like to this day i mean the roman concrete was used to build numerous roads and things of that nature and they're still in use in some areas because they're that well built Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's the ancient world. I mean, and they had, what was it, heated, the Romans had heated floors, heated baths. They 
developed and create or constructed huge uh, aqueducts that transported water from a place where there was abundance of water to places where there was no water so that people could, you know, like have more um, water and things of that nature so that they could live. There's <laughs> ancient Roman roads that are still intact to yeah. this day. Uh-huh. And here, you know, we pay millions of dollars to pave our highways, and a year later, they're cracked and full of potholes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And, oh, yeah. I, I oh, yeah. travel one of those every yeah. day. I'm driving across a washboard. Yeah. Um, and Especially so, whenever you kind of lean over ah. to the side of the road, it's like, <laughs> and you wake up because you realize you fell asleep as you were driving. Uh, she should be driving. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, no, but um, no, it's it's yeah. People seem to think that you know, just the stupid, like you said, the the stupid ancient mm-hmm. peoples. Oh yeah. It's yeah. just like that's couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's one of the huge. I mean, one of the biggest arguments for ancient aliens. Man was too stupid. So it has to. Have therefore, been aliens. aliens. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's like it's either God or it's aliens, and therefore aliens. It's like that is a false dichotomy if I've ever heard one. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, if anyone out there has seen that Monty Python movie, Life of Brian, I mean, every argument in the movie just smacks of everything we're talking about. Now, I won't lie; I love the movie. It's entertaining, but the point it's trying to make, if either of you two have seen it, is so long. Oh gosh, so. Uh, quick version for those who non-spoiler version for those who haven't seen it. It's about a a Jewish man in the first century named Brian who's mistaken for Jesus. <laughs> yeah, and they decide that a group decides he must be the Messiah, and the way they portray the people around him, I can't help but think that the Monty Python people genuinely think that may have been an explanation for the Jesus movement. They wow. crowded around him. They look. He performs miracles, and the miracles are just pure coincidence. And Brian himself says, no, don't follow me. I'm not the one you're looking for. I'm not a Messiah. And they just go, oh, listen to how humble he is. (laughs) Only the Messiah would be that humble. So they've already decided in their minds that they're going to do this no matter what. And, you know, it's just not true. These people were not idiots. They knew how the world worked. If someone was dead, they knew it was over. Mm -hmm. Bury them. Yeah, and and one of the the great um, an exa- another example of of where we even get our methodology for uh, for uh, history is from an ancient Greek historian named Thucydides. I mean that that right there. I mean he lived. I think if I'm not mistaken, it was like the fourth or fifth century BC. I might it might be a little bit after that. I'm not sure exactly the time frame, but he's definitely before the third century bc i mean and so this was an ancient guy who cared about what actually happened and we follow his methodology of how we record history now because of that i mean it's like but he lived thousands of years ago so it's like this guy was smart enough to do that surely everybody else around him wasn't just dumb nincompoots that didn't know oh look he yeah. just made this appear out of nothing. Therefore, he's God. I mean, the, the, there was a serious um, uh, idea here. There was a serious um, events that were taking place, and, the, and so much so that there were people that were trying to kill Jesus. Yeah. I mean, again, again, emphasizing the fact that these people weren't stupid. 
Mm-hmm. But we we get it in our heads that we are the greatest that there ever was, there ever will be. We've, you know, we've got the huge uh, sewer systems. We've got the skyscrapers. We've got the combustible engines, as Robert mentioned. We've got planes in the sky, and and you know all these other things. And it's like, well, we've made it. We've arrived. No human being has ever been as smart as us. No human being could do what we've done. And it's like, yeah, you don't know that. <laughs> yeah, you really don't. And I've heard it said before, too, that one big thing about modern civilization is uh, we've become too dependent on the technology we have. If it's not recorded, because literally everything is recorded nowadays, um, if any something happens on some random street in some big city, it's going to be recorded up close from a thousand angles. And if it's not recorded today, then most people are less willing to accept it. If the only testimony is eyewitness testimony, if it's only written down, if it's only discussed, and again, if it's if it's solid, it holds up in a court of law, mm-hmm. and yet people are more prone to disprove or try to discredit that simply because you know, they don't have eyes on the event themselves. They've all got to see it. They refuse to trust their neighbor. Mm-hmm. And so this testimony of, you know, this idea that it really did occur, um, it changed their lives. It made them willing to die. Mm-hmm. And there's no reason for Matthew, talk, going back to the verse that started this yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah. Bring us back home, Robert. <laughs> uh, <laughs> take a swing around the sun and head straight for home. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there was no reason for a Matthew to just randomly add this line when he was on a roll about Jesus yeah. already. You know, why would he add this? Uh, Obviously, just because it occurred. But, you know, he has nothing to gain by increasing that. Now, I I didn't even consider this until this very moment when I was saying this. But I wonder if Matthew is experiencing a little bit of Paul syndrome. You know, go to Paul. 1 Corinthians 15 is that famous passage about how if Jesus is not raised from the dead, if everything we're talking about did not actually occur in real time and space, if this is nothing more than an illusion, then Christians are to be pitied above all people because they've wasted their lives lives chasing after a lie. And many have literally voluntarily died chasing after a lie. But Paul, he actually talks about how Jesus himself appeared to 500 people at once. And he and his own half-brother, not Paul's, but Jesus' own half-brother, James, were among the last to see Jesus, and they were among the most skeptical of those who changed their minds and adopted the views of the church. And so he is actually pointing that out. He's saying Jesus appeared to 500, many of whom are still currently alive. And he was talking about the time where he wrote the letter. So what it was was he was talking to the Corinthians, and he was saying if any of you have real serious doubts about what these people saw and who it was that they saw arise from the dead. You are free to go knock on any door. We've got names. Mm -hmm. We've got addresses. We're a tight community. We stick together, and they will tell you exactly where they were, what they were doing, who who they saw. It was almost like nowadays you ask, you know, what were you, if you were old enough, you ask, what were you doing when you found out about Mm 9-11? And the church was playing that game in the first generation, maybe. What were you doing when you saw the risen Lord? Like, where were you? Were you Mm -hmm. part of the group in the field were you walking down the street were you alone praying in a garden somewhere and these people were able to testify to having seen jesus and so to wrap that up i think matthew might be playing the same game as paul mm-hmm. you know if any of you doubt 
that any of these incredible apocalyptic things occurred in Jerusalem. Ask not only the people who witnessed it right there at Calvary, Mm -hmm. but you have several witnesses in the church now who can testify that they saw a dead family member walk into their living room and testify to the truth at the moment uh, as these things were occurring Mm -hmm. during this span of 40 days. Uh, So, and I think that really completes the picture. Of course, it all goes back to Jesus, but people were seeing mostly Christ, Mm -hmm. but they were also seeing a few people who were willing to be witnesses to him as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, The two witnesses in Revelation, for example, they kept saying, you know, the judgment's coming, the judgment's coming. God's willing to use people to be his messengers. Mm -hmm. And so you could technically argue and I'm being very technical, more technical than a mechanic. Oh, you could te- like <laughs> you could technically argue, but now most people say that Simon Peter's sermon at Pentecost is the first Christian evangelistic message. You could argue that technically the first one were those people who'd risen back from the dead to testify yeah. to Jesus mm-hmm. before he'd even ascended, and before the church had even come to be. Those could have been some of the very first converts who came and joined the group at Pentecost it said they were all gathered together they could have uh, had a witness before any of this took place uh, before the spirit came down I mean at Pentecost yeah and and one thing that that you know plays in my head is like you know you have the skeptic it goes well maybe it was all just a mass hallucination you know people talk about the resurrection being a, a massive hallucination that people just was in such grief of seeing Jesus, you know, seeing Jesus crucified that they imagined that they saw him raised from the dead. And then all these people that raised from the dead also afterwards, you know, they just imagined these things. It was just, they were just such, you know, sadness and, and it consumed them that there was a mass hallucination. Uh, I just, cause I mean, the reality of it is, is there's people out there who actually will argue for this view that it was just a mass hallucination, which as the more we understand um, when people do have these mental disorders or moments where they have these hallucinations, it's literally impossible for a group to have to share the same hallucination. It is the more we understand about how the mind works when someone is going through one of these um, these uh, spells or what have you, uh, not spell and then like witchcraft spell, but spell like as in mental uh, uh, moment of crisis. Um, you know, it's, it's it's purely for the individual. Like what they see is what they see, but then a different individual will see something completely different. So there's no way that you can actually have a mass um, hallucination of everybody seeing the same thing. It's impossible. I mean, that's even proven today of like whenever there's a tragic event involving the public, Uh like police and FBI says witness statements are pretty much useless because like, let's say there's a bank robber who goes into a bank, you know, robs it, holds the people hostage, and then the bank robber leaves. They'll ask all the people in the bank, what do you look like? And one of them will say, oh, well, he was wearing a hoodie with a blue ball cap. And Mm -hmm. the guy beside him was saying he was wearing a red T-shirt and he had a mask on. Mm -hmm. And so you can't even get witnesses to a traumatic event. Mm -hmm. Their stories don't even line up. 
mm-hmm. because they just remember details differently. Right, and right. A traumatic event changes. Mm-hmm. Like, your the details just don't process. Right. And that's notorious even today. Mm-hmm. Like, where eyewitness accounts of, from just basic civilians, unless you're trained, mm-hmm. um, they don't even really put stock in it. Mm-hmm. So the fact that all of these people could have the exact same story mm-hmm. and all the details. Yeah. Like we've already proven psychologically today that that's right. You know, that so that's just phenomenal. That mm-hmm. Back then all of those stories sync up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I love so it. that kind of dispels that whole. Notion. Right. 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 And two, I mean, there were counts of Roman centurions and Roman officials. Yeah. They weren't traumatized by the death of a Jew. Right. Like, they didn't care. Yeah. Right. You know, they had no skin in the game. Yeah. Like, they were just like, hey, something something happened here. Yeah. Like, this yeah. was, you know, this, come on. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and and another example of that is, like, one of the, I believe it's actually in, recorded in Matthew, Um where the temple guards, they go back to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and they're like, hey, uh, we don't know what happened, but the body's gone. <laughs> yeah. uh, what do you want us to do? And then they're like, here, take this money and tell everybody that you come across that the Jews, that his followers, that these Jewish people stole the body, which was like a really big, big, big no-no. Like you don't tell people that you know you fell asleep or you passed out. That was that was execution for uh, you know the people of that day and time. If you were a soldier, that was you could not fall asleep while you were on duty. And that's basically what the Pharisees and the Sadducees told them to say. And then they're like, well, if if something happens and Rome finds out, well, we we got you covered. But see, and and I've heard of that whole theory where people say, you know, scholars to this day say, you know, the the disciples came and they stole the body mm-hmm. and, you know, and all that. But I mean, even the Bible was prepared for that argument because later in Matthew, mm-hmm. they even say, um, sir, we remember that the deceivers once said while he was still alive after three days, I'll rise from the dead. So we request that you seal the tomb until the third day. This will prevent his disciples from coming and stealing <laughs> the body and then telling everyone he was raised. Yeah. And then Pilate actually said, take guards and secure it the best you can. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. so, you know, the the Romans had a big skin in that game of protecting that tomb. Yeah. yeah. You know, they weren't going to just take that lightly. Yeah. No. You know, with the severity of like a full-blown riot mm-hmm. potentially breaking out. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And we talked about like how important, you know, riots were back in the day and how those were avoided. Right. Like the Romans wouldn't have taken any chances. No, no. not at all. Yeah, if there was a way that they could have stomped out that belief about Jesus at any point, then they would have done it. And because, and that's the thing, um, Pontius Pilate, you know, originally before Jesus was crucified, he didn't see any fault within with Jesus. He did not want to do it at all. And he did not want to have Jesus crucified, but because the uh, the assembled masses, the Jewish uh, rabbis and 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 teachers and scholars and and Sanhedrin were like, crucify him. If you don't crucify him, you're not a friend of Caesar. Basically saying, like, look, this guy is a threat to Caesar, and if you do nothing about it, it's going to come back on you. We're going to, and and at that time, if I'm not mistaken, Pontius Pilate was in very low standing with the emperor himself. Um, and so if he, if the emperor would have got word 
of this potential riot, he most likely would have had, not only would he have had um, Pontius Pilate removed, he probably would have had his head, mm-hmm. literally, like, chopped off. Oh, yeah. So he he very much had reason to say, hey, look, this needs to be crushed as quickly and as quickly as humanly possible. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he had every reason to seal seal the deal on that so that <clears throat> nothing would ever come back to haunt him or anyone else. Even uh, though, <laughs> joke's on you. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. And the fact that, uh, j- jumping into that passage from Matthew, the fact that the, the author, and by author I mean Matthew himself, felt the need to explain this, because he says this superstition has spread among the Jews to this day, period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now, of course, I can't sit here and prove to anyone out there that, you know, this uh, the resurrection was the truth, not a super. He could have, in th- for the sake of argument, he could have been glossing over the fact that they sti- did steal the body. But what I'm getting at is the fact that he even wrote this out. This superstition is spread. This pr- d- this does prove. This is actual proof that, that tomb was empty because the two sides were trying to explain how it happened. Mm-hmm. The yeah. opponents were coming up with all these wild stories. The apostles were simply saying he walked out of the th- out of that thing. No, 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 no. That's not what happened. The the uh, the, the the Gentiles or not the Gentiles, the uh, 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 disciples. Yeah, the yeah, disciples. The disciples stole the body. That's what happened. That's what happened. Yeah, yeah. It was aliens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and if anybody says otherwise, we'll pay them off. <laughs> oh yeah. But honestly, I think it's more plausible to mm. believe that Jesus rose from the dead and walked uh-huh. out of that tomb than a bunch of unarmed Jewish people Mm -hmm. snuck past a bunch of armed Roman centurions Mm -hmm. who would have been murdered Mm -hmm. and probably their families had been murdered if that body was stolen. And I mean, that tomb, there's one entrance, Mm -hmm. one way in and out, covered Mm -hmm. by a giant granite slab. Mm -hmm. You're not like... How were the disciples possibly going to do that no. oh, yeah. against those Roman soldiers? Yeah, yeah. it would be yeah. like you walking into the Federal Reserve in New York City mm-hmm. and walking out with a bunch of gold bullion mm-hmm. with no one seeing. You. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you have about as good a chance of doing that as these disciples would have of yeah. stealing Jesus. Yeah, yeah. The, oh, yeah. These guys, the uh, Roman Legion, the guards there, they were the highest. Uh, not only were they the highest paid, but they were the highest trained. I mean, these guys were the elite of the elite of of the time. And for, th- like, what, 12, 11 fishermen, because Judas hung himself, for 11 fishermen to slip in, take them all out, take out the body of Jesus and run off with it, that's pretty pretty crazy. Uh, and they had uh, no money. I and, people say, well, they could have bribed the guards. Well, with what? Yeah, they yeah. were fishermen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and... For what? Again, yeah. their families would have been killed. So, yeah. Oh yeah, I'll take that five dollar bill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, never gonna live to spend it. Even if even if they had money to pay yeah. the guards, yeah. those guards wouldn't have lived to yeah. spend it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and the and the thing is, I mean, and that's just going back to the, the the reality of it was is like Jesus lived off the handouts of others, which is why um, Judas Iscariot was over the money bag. Oh, yeah. You know, that he made such a big deal about whenever uh, Mary uh, broke the flask of scented uh, oil 
on Jesus and like wipe, wiped her like that's his a whole year's yeah, salary. yeah 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 exactly yeah. yeah yeah that's a whole lot of money that could have went to and went to feed the poor quote unquote yeah his pocket my poor yeah. pocket yeah my poor pocket so again you have an example of uh, somebody stealing money from the treasury what little bit of money they got from people not enough to pay off guards <laughs> no. no and the thirty pieces of silver that Judas took. From the Pharisees, Nothing. he gave back to them and then went and hung himself. So it wasn't that money. Yeah, <laughs> is uh, the whole thing is a mess. And 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 bringing it back to the idea about these um, these people who were resurrected after Jesus, you know what happened to them? Uh, don't know. You know, I mean, I I you don't have to ask them. Yeah, to yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I will say that I'm, I seriously <laughs> doubt. Yeah. That they're still around here, running around. <laughs> I would imagine that they were probably either, uh, you know, ascended with Jesus, you know, to the heavens or, you know, what have you. I mean, granted, I don't hold this view, but if this is poetic language, again, that's a problem because nowhere else in that passage of Scripture, until you get to that verse, is poetic language, and nothing after that is poetic language. And but let's the way Matthew writes. Yeah, he was a very analytical. Yeah, to the point. Oh yeah. yeah. So I mean, again, it very. doesn't flow that it's poetical. But yeah. let's even say it was poetical, and this didn't actually happen. I mean, it's problematic as that is to hold that view. If you hold that view, whatever. I mean, still, it doesn't change the fact that uh, the resurrection itself. Jesus' resurrection is one of the most historically attested to events in history. Mm-hmm. Outside the Bible, inside the Bible, other uh, um, uh, contemporary historians talked about it. Um, later uh, Jewish pe- figures talked about him. I mean, these things happened, and there's no way that you can say, oh, well, you might deny that the resurrection happened, and you might have you know your own preferences of why you believe that but there's no sense of thinking that these there's not some recordings both in the scripture and also historical references outside of it that verify that the resurrection happened and i think that's important too because a lot of times you get a lot of these christian scholars who when they're posed a question they feel like they have to answer it, mm-hmm. and they'll come up with things. And I think it's okay for Christians to really step back and say, I don't know. Yeah. Or there is no answer to that question. Yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, we're trying to ascribe an explanation or an answer mm-hmm. to the almighty creator of the universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we're not going to be able to explain or understand why God does what he does mm-hmm. or why events happen. Right. And I oh, yeah. think that's a big thing is like Christians as a whole or the church as a whole. Mm-hmm. It's okay to say, I don't know. Yeah. Or that particular thing. There really is no answer for that. Yeah. No. And I mean, it just comes down to, God is omnipotent. Mm-hmm. He can literally do anything. Why he did it, only he knows. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's okay for uh, Christians to say that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Confronted with something. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, Robert, I've talked a lot. So if you want to say a few things about that, I mean, go for it. I mean, I honestly, I don't have anything much more to say that hasn't been said already. It's just the idea that, you know, no matter how this looked, 
you know, we we know less about this event than we do about angels and demons, and that has yeah. enough speculation as it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, are, you know, are you willing to just rest in the fact that no matter what it looked like, if it was funny, if it was spooky, if, it, if this event was uh, like a bunch of Lazaruses, people living their lives, or maybe the event was just one uh, happenstance encounter by some family members who had recognized the dead person and they were seen no more. No matter how, what this may have looked like, it all comes back to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And the simple fact that these people's lives were changed, they, a, lot was go, <laughs> a lot can happen in 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, that day was absolutely packed with events. And, um, of course, those next, that next month, the next 40 days, was packed with events as people saw the resurrected dead. But just the fact that it all comes back down to who is this man. And the centurion himself, after he'd already killed him, it was too late. He said, surely I just killed the Son of God. Son of God yeah. mm. And you just, I could only imagine the, the fear that came over him, the humility that came over him. They paid me to murder the Creator. This is not good. I'm soaking fire. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, one thing I keep hearing, and uh, this is a sidetrack, but it, it does relate. You know, we talked about the fear of Pilate. I've actually heard a lot of people scoff at that because if you look at Pilate in history, he's actually pretty ruthless. The death of just one more Jewish person was really just another you know, crumb on his shoulder. He could brush it off. He could do it. And there are accounts of him. Uh, the, the historian Josephus talks a lot about how Pilate would come in and he would threaten to absolutely slaughter the Jews to extinction. Now, of course, he obviously didn't do it or the Jews would be extinct, but he meant what he said when he said it at the time. It wouldn't have mattered. But so why is Pilate so worried about this one man? Now, yes, he knows he's innocent, but do you really think, yeah, why would he care that much about his innocence, you know, just kill one to make the the rest of these rats, you know, go away, quiet down? As Zach said, I'm already in trouble with Pilate. He was between a rock and a hard place. Uh, the Pharisees, when they said, you're no friend of Pilate, it was, you know, a direct threat. Friend of Pilate was an official stamp that, that uh, friend of Caesar was an official stamp that Caesar would give to the officials he loved the best. And so basically they said, if you do this, you do not deserve your title. You don't deserve your stamp. You know, Caesar will revoke his title of friend from you and he will excommunicate you. But I think it all boils down to just one more spooky event, if we're willing to believe it. You know, the Gospels also record that his wife had a dream. And these, men, these people were pagans, and they believed that sometimes the, the gods, little g, plural, would come to people in dreams as an omen, an oracle, and give warnings about the future. Um, the stories of their heroes, their tragic heroes, they would always be warned in an oracle not to do something. They would either interpret it wrong or disregard it completely, and they'd fall into a trap. And Pilate's wife comes to him and says, I just received an oracle. Stay away from this man. He is holy. Whatever that meant in their minds, they just knew there was something about him. And Pilate, the man in charge of killing him, was willing to gamble that there was something about him. In hindsight, we know he was right. Now, uh, just, you know, all I have to say from, from me personally tonight for on this is anyone out there, you know, you have the benefit of hindsight that the others never did. Every player in this story 
had to live it step by step until it was all over and finished. Now, now that you have the benefit of hindsight, are you willing to entertain the possibility that there might be something to this man? There might be something out there that can send oracles. There might be something out there that can raise not just one person, but several. Are, do you, are you willing to believe that there might be someone out there who could have orchestrated these events in such a way that they fulfilled prophecy so perfectly people would be pointing back to writings hundreds of years before in order to exegete and interpret this one event, this one random execution in, the, in an ocean of executions that the world has never stopped talking about. And indeed, the one story that has been the cornerstone of civilization for the last 2,000 years has been the story of a random execution on an afternoon. All right. Well, I think that right there is going to wrap us up for this episode. Um, really nothing else to say. That was uh, kind of beautifully wrapped up there. Um, That's Robert. He's a beautiful uh, rapper-upper. He, he's our closer. <laughs> he's he's the expert closer here. Master Robert. But, uh, yeah, we hope you all enjoyed uh, uh, this episode. Um, I know I learned a lot. Always fun. So thank you, Robert. Thank you, Zach. Yeah. Uh, one more time, if you want to uh, interact with us, definitely uh, visit our Facebook page, um, the Achieving Christian Thought Podcast. You can find us on Facebook, theactpod.com. And I don't know that I've mentioned this on previous episodes, and I don't know why, but if you have found us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen, uh, definitely you know drop us a, a good review, leave us a review, a likes or whatever, yes, because please. you know that's really all the support we're really asking from you yeah. because those ratings and those reviews kind of help push us up the chart and hopefully more people will find us yeah and uh more people will get to listen so if you really if you like our show uh definitely kind of spread the word we would appreciate it so yeah all right well we will see you all next time and uh again thank you guys thank yeah, you thank you